thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. Let's read the Word of the Lord together. Uh, Acts chapter 14. Beginning at verse uh, 20. You stand with me when you're there. Let's read together. Praise the Lord. When we left off uh, last week, the Apostle Paul had been stoned and dragged out of the city, uh, left for dead. The disciples came and stood around him. And somehow, by God's power, he got up and he went back into the city. Pick it up. Verse 20, it says, But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day went away with Barnabas to Derbe. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had many made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that had been accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the public reading of Scripture, and we thank you for your presence that is here even now, Lord. And God, we pray that as you have spoken to us this morning, uh, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us uh, through the preached word, Lord, and that our uh, hearts would be open, that our ears would hear what the Spirit would speak to us, Lord, and that we will be faithful hearers and doers of the word. And so, Lord, we thank you for breaking the bread of life to us this morning, to each according to their need. And we thank you for your presence, which is here. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. So this is uh, the uh, conclusion of that first missionary journey of uh, the Apostle Paul. Again, as as I have encouraged you to do uh, throughout this portion of the series is to kind of look in the back of your Bible. Most of your Bibles probably have uh, maps in the back and kind of follow along uh, on this first missionary journey uh, of the Apostle Paul. You probably see some lines going. And so what's happening in this passage is they've gone a certain direction and they're essentially retracing their steps and 
order to go back to Antioch where they had uh, left out from in the beginning. The only place they do not return to is the island of Cyprus. Uh, they, they leave from a city called Italia and they kind of bypass Cyprus and go back uh, to Antioch where they uh, left out. And so this concludes uh, that first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. It's important for us to see and understand because uh, this is the gospel actually going into uh, the Gentile world, and it kind of sets up things for uh, the church at large to accept what God is doing in the Gentile world. And, and in fact, what is happening here in, uh, in this missionary journey impacts you and me today. This is how the gospel began to move out from uh, Jerusalem and really into the Gentile world, and we're, we are recipients of that. We're blessed because of what Paul and Barnabas went through, what they did, where they traveled to during the time and season in which they live. You and I, are, 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 uh, we have received blessing from what they have done. And so we see as they went, they were sharing the gospel on new soil. As they began to return, they were strengthening the work uh, and discipling those who they had already won to the Lord and that were coming into uh, the churches that were planted. When we begin to read in this uh, text, one of the first things that I think about or that I see in these uh, passages is the faithfulness of the Apostle Paul despite hardship. Paul had been stoned and left for dead. Again, as we mentioned earlier, the believers had gathered around him. We're not sure if he actually died. He had been left for dead. The Bible doesn't say clearly that he, that he was actually dead. So, But something miraculous had to happen. If you're going to get up after a stoning, rest assured it's a miraculous event that took place. Whether it was a resurrection or whether God healed him from uh, the wounds which he had, uh, the Apostle Paul got up, went back into the city, the next day left for the next city along, which was Derby, and he continued preaching the gospel, continued sharing the message of hope, continued right on preaching and sharing what he had previously been preaching and sharing. There was no change. He continued to be faithful despite the hardship that he faced. Paul was fulfilling his calling. And throughout much of the missionary journey, while he was being faithful, he was also being persecuted. And his persecution was not just emotional and mental, but he was also being physically persecuted. His, his body was being wounded because of the persecution that he was receiving. So it was, it was mental, it was spiritual, and it was also physical persecution that was going on. Paul had seen God do the miraculous. In fact, it had just happened in Lystra with the healing of the lame man. But why did God not prevent him from going through all of these difficult trials? God was doing the miraculous. He was displaying his mighty power. 
Why did someone who was being faithful to fulfill their calling, faithful to lay the foundation of the gospel, which you and I are recipients of today, why did that one have to go through such difficult and challenging circumstances? Why do you and I have to walk through the trials of life? Why are there things that you and I have to go through that we wish we otherwise wouldn't have to go through? Why do we have to wrestle with the upheaval that is happening in our society right now? If we simply pray enough or intercede enough, won't God come down and change all the circumstances so that we can walk through free and clear with no problems or challenges at all? Is that not the prevailing doctrine that's often preached during our day? In our country where we live in so much wealth and prosperity, we oftentimes fail to forget brothers and sisters who live in complete poverty and are faithful despite the hardships of life. Faithful to the Lord, earnest for Jesus, praying, seeking him. I thought about this and I thought, you know, if as a dad, if I were to take my children and every time that they ask me for something, immediately give it to them. How would my children become? You know. You'd probably have a a word rolling around in your mind. (laughs) That would be labeled. That would label them. Because we all know it's just a fact of life that if you're raising kids or or anyone for that matter, if they always get what they always want immediately, then they always expect to get it immediately. And what happens? Why did Pastor Noel not do what that little boy wanted him to do all the time? Because it's instructive of life that sometimes you don't get what you want. Sometimes you want to play soccer, but right now we're playing volleyball. And if you want to play, that's what you're going to do. Sometimes uh, you might not want to eat fish sticks, but we're eating fish sticks. (laughs) So you're going to eat fish sticks. Sometimes in life, we have to walk through journeys and difficulties and challenges. And I know for kids that at times those seem so grievous. But God uses children at times to instruct all of us, doesn't he? If we wouldn't do things for our children because it helps them grow and understand and work with each other in such a way that produces character within them, why would God do it to us? There are things that we surely want and we surely ask God for, but God says no sometimes. God says, no, that's not for you right now. No, you can't have that right now. What you're going to do is walk very faithfully through what is right in front of you. What you have to do is understand that what I'm doing is bigger. Now, again, try to explain to a three- or four-year-old why you're not giving them what they want, and it doesn't always work, does it? 
It doesn't help the situation. Sometimes you can get down on your knees and you can say, hey, buddy, this isn't going to happen right now. We've got to do it this way. And you still have the temper tantrum. And sometimes you and I don't understand all the things that God is doing, but what we must know is that he is always faithful. He is always good. He is always loving. There are people that have experienced circumstances, maybe where people they have loved have passed on from this world and they weren't sure about where they were with Jesus, about the moment of salvation. And my my comfort to them is this. God always does the right thing. He is always faithful. He always acts with compassion, even if it is welcoming them into heaven or if it is welcoming or, or if, if them going into condemnation. Our minds don't comprehend that, do we? But what I know for certain is that God is always faithful. He is always loving. He always does the right thing. This is why David, in the time when he had, he had sinned against the Lord, and he was given this, this kind of three different places where he could uh, uh, reap the consequences of his sin, he wanted to fall into the Lord's hands. He trusted the Lord. You and I must also trust the Lord in all circumstances. He is always faithful. Don't lose heart at the fiery trials that you face. Don't lose heart when things seem to be going wrong for you and there are challenges and difficulties. Don't lose heart. In Christ, we have the compassion of the Lord that loves us. If you are in Christ, the beauty of your trial, the beauty of your difficulty in life, that maybe you're interceding and ask God, asking God to take away from you, the beauty of it is that God is using that trial to work in you an eternal weight of glory. That's the the beauty of being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is that our trials and challenges aren't just for nothing. If you're not in Jesus, it's easy to understand why someone who doesn't follow the Lord is bitter about the things going on in our world. But for those of us who love Jesus, those of us who are followers of Jesus, what we know is every trial, every circumstance, every challenge, every difficulty, God is working within us an eternal weight of glory. Everything that you are going through, God is working for your good and his glory. And Paul and Barnabas, they were faithful despite the bloody trial that they faced. And they continued on with the work of the Lord in praying, in church planting, in evangelization, and in discipleship. After Paul was stoned, he continued to preach the gospel. They made many disciples, the scripture said. What the enemy had tried to stop by killing Paul, God used to multiply for the good of the kingdom as Paul persevered in the calling that had been entrusted to him. Paul talked about in later writings how he, how he bore in his body the wounds of some of the trials that he had gone through. We don't know what type of shape 
his body was left in after stoning. Because, you know, when I think if, you know, if, if, a, if a stone had broke his leg or whatever, you know, the disciples would have taken him over to the nearest clinic. It had been reset, and he'd have kind of been able to go on his way. But that's not the case in the first century world. Oftentimes, in third world countries, you see people who have broken a leg or broken an arm and for the rest of their life because it wasn't set right, because it wasn't put back together right. They bear that challenge. And this would have been the case in the first century. I don't know what type of ailments or difficulties Paul would have had, but he certainly indicated that there were some going on in his life. But despite that, he continued to preach the gospel, strengthening disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And this Luke records very pointedly one of the sentences that Paul shares. Through many trials, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many trials, we must enter the kingdom of God. Count it all joy, my brother and my sister, when you encounter various kinds of trials. As they began the missionary journey, they were preaching and laying a foundation of the gospel, which was evangelization. As they began the return trip, they were doing the work of discipleship, which is helping someone to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Verse 23 tells us that they had established churches as they went along and evangelized. And on their return trip, they established elders or shepherds, pastors to help oversee the church and commended them to the elders' care. And they did this with prayer and fasting. Prayer, evangelization, church planting, and discipleship are all natural outgrowths when people believe. We should see this. We should see happening in groups of believers, prayer, evangelization, church planting, and discipleship. And so we think of this both individually, what it means for you and me on a, on, a, on a personal level, what is your role, what is my role in prayer, evangelization, church planting, and discipleship. Sometimes people say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not equipped. I need to kind of take this person and let them get to the pastor or someone else. They, they need to kind of walk along. God is equipping each and every one of us. You have a role in the kingdom to play to help equip someone else. Some may say, I have too much going on in my life to really walk alongside someone else. I have too many problems. I have too many challenges. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. He wants you to think about your problems and your challenges so you don't help anyone else. See, you've been walking through your trials and challenges, and you've been persevering, and you still have this weight that I've got these things going on. I've got to get past that. Then I'll do this for Jesus. It's not how it works. There's a plan and a purpose for each one of us in this room to be invested and involved in discipleship 
and calling other people to faithfulness and walking alongside other people if you name Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you think it all happens by vocational ministers, it doesn't. It never will. And that's the challenge that we've got to, particularly in our culture and our society, is we think that the guys up here are the ones that need to be doing all of the discipleship and evangelization and other things. Do you realize what kind of explosive growth the church universal would have if local churches grab a hold of the idea that every single person in this room, every single person in the faithful churches in our community are called to be evangelists and disciplers and prayer warriors and church planters. That's why you hear it so much here. We can't just be in our little enclave with people we like and people we love. We'll have eternity to be like this. We'll celebrate together in eternity together, but right now we have to be pushed out in order to share the message of hope, in order to walk alongside of other people, in order to lock arms in prayer and intercession, in order to see other churches planted in our community for the glory of God. That is our calling. As a church, We have to think together, collectively, how are we equipping people to pray and evangelize and church plant and disciple? How is Riverstone doing that? That ought to be something that is on our mind. We've prayed about, we're talking about, we're thinking about, God, where are you calling us to plant a church? What does that look like? It's not just something for Leaders to kind of discuss. It's something for all of us to be participants in. I've had a lot of years of seminary experience, and I can tell you that the seminary experience was wonderful and valuable, but it doesn't prepare me for this moment. In fact, I feel less prepared in this moment than probably what I have in other seasons of life. That's not a sad story if you just say, poor, pitiful Robert. (laughs) But it is to tell you, as some things you just don't know what to do or where to go, you have to rely on the power of God. And it requires other people to stand with you in intercession. And we're going to pray until we discern what God is doing. Faithful disciples are faithful to Christ and faithful to the Lord's church. When we look at the uh, end of this passage, these last few verses, uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, come back and they, where they were sent out of, they come back to and they share what has gone on uh, to the people who first prayed for them and sent them out. And what I, what I see in this missionary journey is a group of people who were sent out from the local church, who went and shared the gospel in places that had not heard it, who circled back and came to make sure that the, the seeds that had been planted were being grown and to discern who 
was being raised up in order to care for that flock, pray for them, lay hands on them, and then come back to the place where they started to say, what you prayed for, what you interceded for, this is what has happened as we have gone out and come back. Remember, there is not uh, cell phones. There is not some kind of mail system that is going back. In fact, probably what happened, the believers in Antioch had heard very little. They may have even wondered, are Paul and Barnabas still alive? And so Paul and Barnabas, they come back to Antioch. In verse 26, it says, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work uh, that they had accomplished. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they arrived and they called the church together. And they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They talked about what Jesus had done. They had a commitment to the local church. They helped to establish local churches. They remained connected to their local sending church. You and I must have a commitment to the local church as well. This is a place of community and refuge for you and for me. It's joyful to come to God's house. It's joyful to be in God's presence. It's joyful to be with God's people. The local church in the New Testament was a wonderful engine for gospel sending. That is what we want Riverstone Church to be. You should be a part, I should be a part of a local church at all times. There should never be a time where I should step out and say, well, I'm taking a break. How can you take a break from that which Jesus died for? To be a faithful believer, we have to have regard for the church. Now think, as I was a young man, we would have family dinners, and both sides of my family were, uh, were large families. And so there would be times where we'd have, you know, Sunday afternoon dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner with one side uh, or the other. And you had to make a choice. You had to make a choice to walk through the front door or not walk through the front door. It was my individual choice as I got older, when I was younger, you know, uh, I'd have gotten a right hand of fellowship from my parents. <laughs> but as I'm older, it's my choice whether to walk through that door or not. And when I walk through that door, the idea is not for me to sit off by myself and kind of do my own thing. The idea is for me to pull up a chair to the table and eat with the family, to feast with what's going on and to celebrate whatever it is that we're celebrating when we come together. I individually have to make a choice to go through the door. But when I'm in the door, I'm sitting at the table with family around me enjoying what has been prepared for me. That's what it's like to come to church on a Sunday morning. That's what it's like to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We enter in on our own. It's a choice that we make. But as we enter in, we do so in order to be in fellowship with the people here. What, more, what other people would you want to sit around than the people in this room? 
the uh, the understanding uh, when Jesus says, uh, "In my Father's house," or the translation says, "In my Father's house are many mansions." If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go uh, to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That understanding is, uh, in my uh, there there are many mansions. That's actually kind of a little misnomer. It's actually in, in my Father's house there are many rooms. One house, everybody together, there's many rooms there. There's many places for us to be in the same house, in the same structure. That's what it's going to be like with Jesus. And that's why sometimes we go through these trials to rub off our, uh, our rough edges in order that the person we're rooming next to in heaven, we're not going to get upset about. We're going to do this throughout eternity. So that is the glory of what I see in Paul and Barnabas is that they had a love for the local church. What they were doing was to establish local churches, to share with local churches, to encourage local churches. God has given us this body to encourage us through those trials and circumstances. Notice who was around Paul in the moment in which he was stoned. It wasn't some secular, compassionate group. It was the disciples who came along. That's the beauty of being in this fellowship with one another. And we're going to fellowship together with food here in just a few moments. Uh, This is a precursor to the marriage supper. (laughs) And we'll be able to uh, share love and care uh, for one another. That's part of the work of the body of Christ. But I'd like to close this out today by just encouraging you. I know some of you, some of us, many of us, perhaps all of us, there are things in our mind that we're battling, that we're struggling with. Always keep in mind, always remember That if you are in Jesus, you love Jesus, he's your Savior, he is your Lord, that challenge God is able to now use in such a way to bring glory to himself and to help you continue to persevere in love and grace until he splits the sky and comes in glory. So let's pray towards that end. When we see the weak knees of someone else in our fellowship, we're going to bear them up and grab along and walk with them. Let's pray that God will give us discernment to see those in our fellowship who this morning are struggling. That in our time of fellowship together, that we'd have discernment to step alongside of someone. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy today upon our lives. Lord, we thank you for the church. I thank you for this church. God, I know my mother shared with me that the week after I was born, I was in a local church. And from that time on, I don't recall a time period of any extent. I've not been in church on a Sunday. I know that's not everyone's story, and that's okay. But this morning, the people who are hearing my voice are in a local church. And you brought them here for a purpose and for a reason, God. And I believe that as Paul and Barnabas ended this missionary journey, that Luke was key to tell us that they were establishing churches, they were encouraging churches, and they themselves went back to the church from where they came out of because a local church is important. 
I'm thankful I'm around people who see that. I'm thankful that there are people in this fellowship who see the need to be in regular, consistent relationship with brothers and sisters at the same piece of geography. God, I thank you that the trial that I may be facing today, I know I do not have to bear it alone. Just as Paul needed disciples to gather around, and as they gathered around, you did a work, and the next day he was preaching again. We need those words of encouragement in our life, Lord. Those hands that are outstretched to pull us up when we've stumbled. God, I pray that you would help us this morning. That as we think about our calling and our task, we ask ourselves, How am I invested in the things that the early church was invested in? In prayer, in sharing the gospel with those who have not heard, in discipling someone in the word, helping them to persevere, helping them to walk faithfully, in planting churches, seeing areas that have a gospel witness that may not be strong, or may not be there at all and praying and interceding maybe even going praying preaching sharing the gospel help us Lord towards that end to God today we pray that your spirit would move among us that you would confirm the work in our heart. God, that each and every one of us would be on mission today. That your church would grow. People would hear and receive the message of hope. That the local church would grow. There'd be strength, Lord. Be able to plant other churches to see your work go forth for your glory. Oh God, thank you. Thank you. Would you lift your voices this morning and worship to the Lord as they, they lead us in this chorus. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.